Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I'm so excited that you joined us this weekend for our kickoff week of Unshakable Week One, our series. We're very excited about all of you joining us on this journey. I wanna take this opportunity to welcome all those that are watching online, those streaming there with us at our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, maybe someone in a video venue here at Keller, all of those of you in our additional seating in Keller, we want you to know we're making space and making room for you as well. I'm just excited all of you are here to join us on the journey. Would you guys put your hands together? Welcome everybody that's joining in with us. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Luke 11. It's gonna take me a minute to get there. We're gonna stop at a little place in Hebrews. I'm gonna show you a verse from Psalms and then we're gonna just kinda trek along here in week one of our series. If you're new with us, you're right on time. We spent a couple of weeks in introductory fashion helping us get acquainted with this idea of unshakable. All of us in our lives, maybe you right now have something that's really shaking, something you didn't expect, something that is going on, maybe a health issue, a concern, a kid, a problem at work, something that, again, you just didn't draw it up that way, so you're dealing with some disappointment, discouragement related to the fact that there's some shaking happening. This whole series is all about the reality of the unshakable kingdom of God. I'm very passionate about it. I've really been thinking about it for probably close to two years, praying for you and thinking about how this understanding of the kingdom could impact your everyday life. It would just be so powerful. Our team's been working for months and we're just excited that this is the kickoff week and if you're new, you're right on time. We've done this for 20 years here at Milestone because we don't wanna just be a crowd of people and and you just listening to a a message only or just enjoying some music only. We've always been a church that says it's powerful when we do it together. And, and growth happens that way. So we've been working as a team for months, so I'm just excited about it. And uh, the, the, the formula, if you will, are just practical steps. We got that guide for you, get one. If you wanna get on our small group portal and get in a group, or you wanna just start a group with your family or your friends, and just, as we say, gather where you gather. And, and, and then we're gonna have those group settings where we learn, and then we're gonna have these services on the weekends that I hope you'll tune into every Every one of them is going to build, and and it's it's really it's it's a little bit of a longer journey. Back in the day, we used to, you know, do like four week series, and then I was always thinking, okay, now what are we going to do? How are we going to redo this, whatever? But I've really realized over the last few years that you guys' attention spans are not great. You got kind of spiritual ADD, squirrel. Ah, so it's like okay, so I've learned that it kind of takes a little while for you to marinate in it. You know, and so so you just I just kind of keep giving it to you in doses, you know, and then about week seven you're like, oh wow, well, I think I got something, Pastor. That's all good. Anyway, so we're just gonna do this, and I'll promise you this: if you go on the journey, 
You're gonna have a different understanding of God. You're gonna have something so foundational to your everyday life. So I'm just encouraging all of you to jump in. It's gonna be an exciting journey. And this week, we're gonna start week one with talking about this tagline in the series of this security, if you will, that you find. This, this, this week is really about confidence and stability. Have you ever found yourself saying, I, I, I wish I had more stability. I wish I had more security. I wish I wasn't so, so easily swayed and so easily blown around. And, and you know, I could start off with a good day and by three o'clock I'm having a bad day. And, and I wish I had more stability. I wish I had more confidence. I wish I didn't have so much anxiety, stress, Worry, it's a big challenge in our world today. I wanna talk to you practically about why there's some unique challenges today. I wanna talk to you a bit about even the next generation. Uh, We took 3,000 kids last summer to some form of camp, VBS. When our team came back, they said the number one issue. I'm like, what's the number one thing? When When I was a kid, it was probably, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and They came back to me and said, anxiety. I'm like, wow, wow. Like there's there's an inordinate challenge and issue that we've got to address with the world we're living in today. And so we're gonna talk about that this weekend, your worry, your anxiety, how the kingdom, not just a religious, the kingdom of God, but a real understanding of it, how it anchors you in a different way. I do want to celebrate baptism weekend because we, I just love the fact that I get to pastor a church where you love these people who do not know Christ. I've been just all weekend celebrating. We had young couples in one of the services. It's kind of funny how you'll have some themes. Young couples, just newly married, both of them. I was in a service this weekend at the Keller campus where there were these young couples that were getting baptized together. One couple got saved at 101 together. One raised their hand, didn't know the other one had raised their hand. They got saved. I saw one service, a bunch of men stepping into the tank. I think that's so amazing. We saw some of them in this service. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. How many of you know that affects generations when a man steps up and says, I'm gonna lead in my home spiritually. Um, It's so, so amazing. I I, I had a chance to interact with one young guy uh, who got baptized this weekend, Liam. He came up to me and he said he had gotten saved, he got water baptized, and he wanted to tell me that he felt like God called him to ministry. I was like, man, I want to talk to you. I want to give, I'm going to sign you. I'm going to be your agent. Have you ever considered Milestone College? Have you ever considered your future? And so I started talking to him about it. I said, look, son. He said, what do I do? I said, start serving. Get in there. Start leading people. Start learning. Start getting in the word of God. Grow. It's never too late. You know, and he goes, that kind of sounds. I said, you're not too young. You can do it. He goes, that kind of sounds like that phrase. You don't have to wait to be great. I said, yeah. I said, man, somebody powerful probably came up with that. <laughs> he goes, yeah, probably Miss Val. I said, yeah, anyway, oh, it's all good. But I, I love it, man. He was excited. And then I also heard another side of the story that Ed, 
I, I think he's a former pa- retired pastor. I don't never met. I don't know. But they said he serves now in, in, in the pre-baptism deal, and he had prayed with Liam and was encouraging Liam. And I saw that picture. I thought, man, that's the church, man. That's powerful right there. Where a, this older gentleman just putting his arm around Liam, saying, "Hey, let me give you what I have." Only in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can you see that holistic picture of Jesus' love and plan. I'm sorry, I'm just excited about the church. Are y'all with me and what Jesus does, how lives get changed and people get saved? When we're talking about this unshakable kingdom, I wanna give you the theme verse. Hebrews 12, 28 is the theme. This is a, a context so that you don't take it flippantly The writer of Hebrews is actually speaking to a group of people who have had a lot of pressure and persecution and challenge. Timothy, one chapter later, is released from jail. They have a group of people called Judaizers that's trying to pull people into the ditch, into the periphery. They sound spiritual. They sound very religious. And so they, that religion just kind of sounds smart but pulls you into the ditch. I may say this every week because I'm passionate. As a pastor, let me say this to you. During crisis, during pressure, or even any day, there's always voices that want to pull you away and into the periphery and into the ditch of not keeping the main thing the main thing. The kingdom message, which is really the theme of the Bible because the New Testament scholars believe the theme is the kingdom of God. The Old Testament is types and shadows that lead to the apex of the person Jesus. What did Jesus emphasize? The rest of the New Testament is the working out of the kingdom of God. And so that, that, that focus of the kingdom keeps you calibrated to keep the main thing the main thing. If you'll prioritize what God prioritizes, if you'll get on board what Jesus has as his mission, then you begin to see the things in your own life impacted by that. Don't get pulled into the ditch. There's wise-sounding people that want to pull you into the periphery. So it's in that context, it says this, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Your world may be shaking, but there's a available kingdom. Jesus, when he started his ministry in Mark, he steps out, you see in Mark, he's 30 years old. Mark, right there at the beginning, Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God now is to be proclaimed. That's what he sent people out to proclaim the kingdom of God. The etymology of that word had never been used before. It's an entirely different concept because up until that point, it's empires and, and, and rulers and, and, and different tribes because we're all drawn to that. And now the writer of Hebrews is just carrying on this message of Jesus that there's an available realm of authority. There's access now to a king that's over all kings and that kingdom cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful Let us so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And last week I I showed you, and this is important for you to get at the start of the series, how we desire a king. We wanna know who's in charge. You know, it's kind of like, it's it's the fairy tales of our childhood books and our childhood stories. It's it's the, 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 the shows we binge or all some fantasy tale of some empire or king. There's something inside of us that longs for the king. It's, we got Smoothie King and we've got Burger King and 
and, and everybody wants to be the king, and my kids want to know who's in charge of who, and my employees want to know who can be at the top of the org chart and who gets the corner office, and you know what I'm talking about. Everybody wants to know who's over who. You know, that, that reminded me of my childhood. You know, we used to play a game. I know some of y'all may have played it. We used to play this game, and we, we didn't really have a lot of technology. When I was a kid, I grew up in the country, so we, we had to play outside. My parents didn't believe it was their job to entertain me. Go play with a stick. We're like, okay, we're going outside. When I whistle, you better be back. And down at the end of our road was a dirt pile hill kind of thing down there. And me and all my little buddies that got down there, we played king of the hill. Anybody remember king of the hill? And I mean, I was a big kid now. I was big now. I mean, I, I was, I was, I was, when I showed up to the king of the hill, I had a little bit of advantage, but it took a little longer to get there. You know, I, I was probably... I was probably 150 pounds in the third grade. You know what I'm saying? I was a big kid, big man burning diesel. You know what I'm saying? I had, I had, uh, I had some like, you know, the tough skin pants, you know, and wear the knees out because we played outside all the time. Now, your mama didn't buy you new jeans. She just put patches on them. Anybody remember that? You'd be like, oh, that's so bad. But anyway, you show up with my patches. I get there at the hill, you know, and there'd be like some scrappy people. They might get there first, but it's not about who gets there first because when the big man gets up there, I'm going to smother somebody. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to lay up on top of somebody. Ah! You get up to the top of the hill. It's like, you can't get me down. I'm king of the hill. Here's the only thing. Whatever your hill is, the only thing that we see here in this message that we miss is that even in the Old Testament and even in our lives today, all of the kings of the hills are only king of that hill. But Jesus institutes this understanding. Wait a minute. I'm king of every hill. I'm over every circumstance, I'm over everything. And I began to pray for you in starting this series. This was one of the things I felt like God showed me as I was thinking about you and thinking about how our world can get chaotic and thinking about how, and I really had this thought, how many people really understand the kingdom of God? How many people really could explain why that's important? Why is it that someone who has revelation of that has a different stability and someone who doesn't has so much uncertainty in their life? And I began to think about this thought. And as I've used this as a pastor. I've used this with my kids. I tell myself this phrase, and here's what it is. God is still on his throne. So I'm going through this. I, don't, I didn't expect this. I, I don't necessarily like this, but I, God is still on his throne. He, he's still the king of every hill. Like Jesus hasn't gotten off of his throne. I remember as a young pastor, I was 21. I remember the first time I walked into a hospital setting, two weeks as a 21-year-old pastor. There's a family there. They're crying. I show up. They're, 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 dad is dying. Kids are there. They're crying. And I don't know what to say. By the way, some of you don't know what to say when you have someone that's had a loss or a hurt. When we, we think, and a lot of times we think it's about what you say. Let me, let me give you a little pro tip here. After 30 years of this, it's not about what you say. Just show up and love and just be there. And sometimes what you're communicating is, we don't understand this, but God's still on his throne. Now, I want to talk to you about worry and anxiety and fear and stress in fact, I interviewed some doctors years ago in a series, and I just went around, even in our community, and I said, tell me how big stress and worry and anxiety is. And they said, a lot of times, not always, 
it, it's, the people are coming with some weird symptoms of, of some issue, and most of the time, it's stress and worry and fear, and, and, and it's, it's emotional, not even biological, that's impacting our biological lives. So this is a big deal. And how does not just the theological concept, not just the, the spiritual, if you will, how does, does that connect that God is still on his throne? So I started thinking about that, about how to make that real for you. Before we go into what Jesus did, if you have your Bibles, Luke 11, we're gonna go there. Before we do, though, go to Jesus, let's talk about the world we're living in. What are these youth leaders saying to me when they're saying anxiety is big? What, what is the world? And I, I actually gathered here recently a group of younger leaders and just said, I need to talk about this with you. I, I need to understand this better. And, and, and here's some of the things that, that we together started talking about in the world we live in today. Because there's, there's way more available opportunity to worry and, and we're better at worry and, and it's, it's coming to us. And even if you think I've kind of got it conquered, it, 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 get the right circumstance and the right situation and the right thing in your life and, and it can come on strong. And you can be like, man, I'm off and there's something I don't even understand. What, what are some of the overarching reasons though that we struggle with it in an inordinate way today? No, number one, we desire to control our lives. With all of the tools available and the strategic planning available and the resources available and, 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 and affluence has allowed us to have more options. So what actually happens is, not only do we have a propensity to wanna be the king, because it's not about Burger King and Smoothie King, it's not about that, it's about I'm the king. And the problem isn't that we desire to control our lives. I want you to get this. We actually begin to believe we can. We actually believe that we actually can. And the older you get and the more you journey with God and the longer you walk it out, the more you really realize how really little in control you actually are. We desire to control our lives. And then the enemy's feeding us fear. He's feeding us lies. He's, he's always coming to you to tell you. He attacks you at the level of your identity. He will always attack you to remove and strip you down from who you are in Christ and who God is. And he'll lie to you about God. So as long as you believe a lie about God, then that'll influence how you believe who God is in your own life. And so marriage and family, it's a big deal. There's a lot to worry about. The prayer cards that are at every campus that we're praying over, that our staff prayed over this week, an inordinate amount of them are marriage and family prayer requests, number one downloaded content that I preach on every year, marriage and family. We care about it a lot, but we feel very ill-equipped to know what to do with it today. So there's a lot of emotion there. I can't quit worrying about my kids. We're stressed about our career, we're stressed about our health, but there's some modern reasons why this is more challenging. Important for me to give you this, because I sat with these young leaders, I said, so what is different? Then they began to give me these thoughts. Number one, we're over-informed. You know, there's just, there's so much information about every bad thing that's happening in the world. And we're good at sharing it with each other. 
So we research these things and we get all these negative things. And then there's always somebody who loves the negative, you know, and they want to share it with everybody else. Don't you have that friend who's always sending you every bad thing that happened in Iceland? You're like, I don't have that friend. You are that friend if you don't have that friend. Okay, you're the one doing it. Quit forwarding us this stuff. We were having a good day. We, but, but, but you sent us that and now we're like afraid for everyone in Iceland and we don't know about this and it's like it's gonna come to us and blah, 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 blah. And it's like we're over-informed. Young people today have FOMO, the fear of missing out. I'm trying to live with JOMO, the joy of missing out. Don't tell me about every bad thing happening. I don't need to know. Are you with me? I wanna say this too for some of you. Know this, your feeds, I've been saying this recently so much, your feeds are feeding you the fear. They're feeding you the fear. You're in an echo chamber of people feeding you the same stuff. And if you watch certain news things and different things, I want you to know this, all the commercials are in your demographic and category to make you scared. Somebody needs to hear this watching online. To scare you to death. And most of it is garbage. But fear will make you move. Worry will make you act. And if it bleeds, it leads in our world today. We're over-informed and we're constantly on. And so these young people say, look, we're constantly on. I'm like, explain that to me. Well, here's what happens. Many years ago, there was no electricity. So once the day was over and we told a story to each other, then we went to bed and then came television, you know, but television used to go off. And then we're ostracized today because of the way our culture is, because we're exposed to these things. And the world we live in continues to pit us against one another so much that we've lost the ability to have reasonable conversations and disagree in a civil way. Can I say this as a pastor, something that I'm burdened about, that you need to think about this, getting in ditches, getting hyper-focused. I'm not saying in any way compromise your values or compromise your morals or not. I have strong convictions and strong beliefs, but did you know the enemy has divided families over peripheral things? Just ostracized, can't even get together, can't even connect. The number of families that we have prayed for in the last few years that because they're not focused on the kingdom, they're focused on some agenda thing to such a degree that it's caused them to ostracize people that they are family with. That is sad. Kingdom people should be better than that. They should be better than that. To be able to build bridges, to have good conversations, to influence dialogue, to dialogue about. If you're so convicted of the truth, then you need to get better at being able to convey your message in a relational way that you can affect change instead of ostracizing people and causing there to be more division. I realize some of this, and I need to qualify it because I'm gonna give you some practical things here from the Bible, from Luke 11, but I need to qualify too. When I talk about anxiety and worry and stress and fear and stuff, I do want you to know as a pastor, I'm really aware, and I know there are, with this many people listening to me, there are some who have you know, some, some medical things, some chemical things, there's some who have trauma. I'm not trying to make just, you know, kind of a flippant pastoral solution to a very challenging issue. But at some point, I would say no matter where we're at, no matter how long we walk with Jesus, 
the biblical principles can still move all of us forward. I realize it's personality a little bit too. My dad, and this is why I know this also supernatural, my dad was a six foot seven, just, he was a stable guy. He was just a secure guy. And I know a lot of that imparted to me, that I just grew up in a kind of a shade tree of confidence and security and didn't get flustered by a lot. What's amazing to me about that is he lost his dad when he was nine years old in a car accident and a Sunday school teacher. My parents are first generation Christians. I'm the second generation of their found faith, which is what makes me excited about some of these families who make a decision. Who knows what their kids will do? But my dad received a, a Bible and began to read the book of Proverbs, and that's why I know that no matter what trauma or what environment, the Word of God can influence and affect. There's a supernatural possibility. I'm not dismissing the natural realities, but there is a supernatural possibility as well. And, and there's personality. My dad transferred to me. I try to grow in this. My own kids, they had to have their own things, you know? And, they, and your kids have different personalities. I have a, a couple of daughters driving age. Um, and when they started driving, their personalities showed. Both of them knocked their mirror off of their car. One of them came to me, I'm talking about worry, stress. One of them had held it for a week before coming to dad, the king, Burger King. He came, she came and, and, and began to cry and weep. My daddy, I knocked my mirror off. Sackcloth and ashes, repentance and this. The other daughter to be unnamed duct taped her mirror and acted like I would never see it. Yeah, you know, just, just, you know. I realize that there's all kinds of factors here, but what I would say is Jesus is someone and a model that all of us can go to. Luke 11, I love it. Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying. There is in the Bible here Jesus. By the way, these disciples are starting to see there's something different about Jesus. And in the Bible pattern, as you go through it, there, there's all kinds of different people who had reasons to worry. Adam and Eve were worried about how God would respond. Noah was worried about what everyone thought about him building a boat. And Abraham was worried about not having a son, he and his wife. Isaac was worried about finding a wife. Jacob was worried about his dad's approval. Moses was worried about his speech and he didn't know if anyone would listen to him. David was worried about his enemies. By the way, David, the book of Psalms, like half of it is David worried about his enemies. It's all the way through the Bible. Elijah was worried he was the only one left. Here's what I wanna show you from Jesus. The question is not, will you worry? The question is, what will you do with your worry? The question is not if you're gonna have worry, you're gonna have stuff to be afraid of, if you're gonna have a chance to be anxious. It's not if you will have it, it's what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Well, here's what Jesus did, and here's what the disciples saw. Jesus, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. They're like, here's something different about him. Teach us to pray, Jesus. And just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, important. There's a trust there. There's a, a covering there. You know, something amazing about father. It's like you could be in the scariest situation. My dad was six foot seven. 
he was a big, strong. When, I, when I'm a kid, you know, it's like if I'm scared, if I'm with him, I'm not scared. It's just like, man, he's a looming figure. He, he's just like, I mean, he also would create quite a, a, a bit of gravitational pull when he spanked my behind as well. <laughs> but, but it was kind of like, I, I know you've all felt that, where it's like when I'm with someone stronger more authoritative, more, more able than I begin to feel safe. So why do you start the prayer? Father, no matter what my earthly authority figures have ever been able to be in my life, no matter who or what I could depend on, you are my father. Hallowed be thy name. That is holy. You are separate. You have the power. You have the authority. You are on the throne. I can depend on you. Jesus saying, and then he says this, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come in Luke. In Luke, he says your kingdom come. In Matthew, he says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me say why kingdom understanding when you really understand the kingdom and who's in charge and who's on the throne and how powerful he is. And, and, and remember, if he's just on the throne and he's not good, that doesn't make you feel safe. But if he's on the throne and he is good and he does care, then I'm able to link myself to that. And what Jesus is saying here is, when you get alone with God, when you go to that place and you have that understanding you're, you're, you're filling that gap between where you live and who he is. It now comes into my situation on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. And, and I, wanna, I wanna give you this thought. Jesus modeled that going to his heavenly father was his first response, not his last resort. So, it, so our first response is it to control the situation, to fix the situation, to go to WebMD, to research it. Who knows anything about this? To Google it. You have a bump. By the time you finish with WebMD, you are dead. <sighs> What's the first response? Jesus' first response is, God, I'm going to you. I'm bringing this to you. So I'm gonna give you three things that every person, I'm not minimizing where you, there's people maybe at an acute level of this, and there are some of you who have walked with Jesus forever that you have something you're really worried about. You love Jesus. You're close to Jesus, but there's still something grabbing a hold of you that you're worried about, and it's even moving to being anxious about. Here's three things that you can do all of us can do, I can do, that can help us with this worry in this kingdom mindset. Number one, we focus on the goodness of God instead of the bad things that could happen. We, we don't have to embrace that just because there is a bad situation or a potential bad situation, that that's the ultimate outcome. If God's still working in it, then we don't have to draw conclusions. Do you hear what I'm saying? By the way, too, just in general, just in general, less than 8% of the stuff we worry about a lot of times actually comes true. Let me show you a graph of that. The natural view is where we live. 
All these things that are circling our mind, all this stuff that could go wrong, all these things that fear of the world we live in is feeding you, feeding you. Yet we live over here in this natural view, carrying all this burden of what could happen. And the kingdom view is there are gonna be a small percentage of things that do happen, we'll face it with Jesus. But we gotta come to a place of realizing he's still on his throne, he is good. I talked to a young lady this week. She, a few years ago, had panic attacks so bad she couldn't leave her house. She couldn't leave her house, so afraid. So afraid, so, so worried about everything in her world. And so I just asked her, what helped you? She said, I had to come to the place where I released control. I had to come to the place where I really, and that's what, that little line that you heard me say, that it's not that he is on the throne, but it's that if he's good and he's on the throne, then I can trust him with my life. She gave me that. She said, Pastor, make sure you tell him I, I was like, oh, that's great that Jesus is on his throne. And then Christians were like, well, you have Jesus. And I'm like, well, well, that's good that Jesus is there and he's on his throne. But if he doesn't want to help me, then I still feel like I have to handle it myself. But closing the gap in that place is where you go. He's not only on his throne, he's good. And our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth here in my house. She began to believe that, began to trust that. And just like anything in the kingdom, you have to keep taking that step. You have to keep saying, God is good. God is for me. God loves me. God is with me. He is on his throne. He is in control. Second is we have to crowd out worry with gratitude. Philippians 4, 6 is probably to me one of the most challenging verses in the entire New Testament. Do not be anxious about anything. Wow. Y'all ever get convicted by the Bible? Do not be anxious about anything. Anything means anything. And you're like, well, that's great. That's the Bible. You know, that's just like, you know, angels. Hallelujah. No, it's Apostle Paul. He's in jail while he's writing it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, don't make it your last resort, make it your first response by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Notice that with thanksgiving, with that gratitude, present your request to God and the peace of God, look at this, which transcends all understanding. I just wanna encourage somebody maybe that you're new to this, you're new to faith, you're new to faith in Christ, you're learning. Some of you that just got baptized, can I just encourage you with this? When you go to God, you know that he's on his throne, you know that he loves you, you know that he's good, you enter his courts with thanksgiving. Thank you for what you have done, God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for including me in your kingdom. Thank you that you're, and when you come before him with that thanksgiving and you just rinse and repeat and you come before him, I want you to know this. There's a peace that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. There's so much of the Bible that, yes, it makes more sense as we get a greater revelation of who God is, but there's, there's verses like this that go, really? Really? 
a peace that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He fills us with a greater peace when we focus on he's the Lord of all. He's the King of kings. Here's the third thing. These will all help us. The third thing is we align our attitude and our speech with the word of God. We align our attitude and our speech with the word of God. Please hear me. I'm not oversimplifying anxiety and panic attacks and worry and all that. I'm not oversimplifying. But I will tell you this. We have a generation that struggles with anxiety because they've been allowed to pout. They've been allowed to pout. At my house, you're not allowed to pout. You're not allowed to have a bad attitude. You're not allowed to, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like that. That's not fair. You can get glad in the same pants that you got mad in. You can get a ladder and get over it. When you allow your young people to manipulate and control through emotional manipulation called Pouting. That attitude makes them self-absorbed. It breeds selfishness. It pushes gratitude out. It aligns your attitude with the strategy of the enemy. And when you just have an attitude that says, I'm not perfect, but God is with us. God is in control. I mean, it's not being flippant or that you can't have deep conversations or even express where you're hurt. Your attitude has so much to determine your altitude in life and your attitude being good and your speech being better. And don't say that. Don't say that. That, that, that. Again, I'm not of the camp that is like, oh, we're manipulating God and he's a cosmic bellhop by exactly what we say and we can never be honest or transparent. That's not what I believe. I don't believe that we as Christian people don't have problems or don't have challenging circumstances. I don't believe that. I believe ultimately, though, what we got to be careful with is allowing the challenges and circumstances to become our identity to such a degree that it's really about us and not taking those things to glorify God. Because it's ultimately about exalting him as king of kings. And what really having good speech is and good attitude and good talk and good dialogue is a consistent reminder that he's the one that's worthy of the praise. And I may be in this situation, but I'm going to thank him and I'm going to exalt him. And I'm going to, even in my worst circumstances, I'm still going to praise him. You can do whatever you want to to me. I'm still going to work on my attitude and my speech. And I would love to tell you I'm always perfect at it. I'm not. I'm not. I can easily, man, I can go dark real quick. Real quick. But the more you're in that frame of reference of a good attitude and good speech and, 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 you're, and you have the, again, words have power. And when you wake up every day and you're confessing the word of God. You know, I had a dad who was so stable. I had to have my own path. And I've had to have my own kids in a different world with social media and had to learn to teach them and help them. They began to pick up on stuff that I started doing, putting scriptures on their dash and on their phones and stuff. And they had, you know, you know, things, anxiety things and stuff that here's the deal, parents, you can't fix it for them. I wish we could. 
I wish, but, but God doesn't want you to be their hero. He wants to be their hero. And it's a real challenging thing to teach them how to go through the hard things and teach them how to confess the word and teach them how to have a good attitude and teach them how to walk it out. It's not easy. That's a lot of energy and work. But when we teach them how to do what Jesus did, go to him, go to him. I mean, you, you were to look at the mounting things that I have and things and pressures and things I could worry about and as a pastor and as a parent, Still to this day, the greatest strength in my life is I start that day every day going to Jesus. <laughs> He's my rock. You're not my rock. My wife's not my rock. The government sure's not my rock. I'm not dependent on any of that. I'm standing on an unshakable kingdom. And man, I can get discouraged, I can get depressed, I can, but man, every time I go back to that Jesus and I come with gratitude, Jesus, thank you. And here's what I would love to encourage some of you with. The more you do this, the more you build a history with God. The more you have more stuff to tell yourself. I remember when I was there and I remember when you came through there and some of you right now are facing some of your biggest challenges and that's gonna be another testimony where you can point back to say, yeah, and there he met me too. And there he met me too. And there he was with me in it there too. Because I'm gonna keep praying, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. I wanna pray for you. Because really, I, I like to go kind of bottom line. This is a serious enough subject, and we're closing the service. I'm going to ask you not to move around for just a minute, but I believe it's serious enough that you almost have to go to like, what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line? And I just wrote these things down this week for you. Here's the bottom line. God's still on his throne. He, he's, still in, he's still on his throne. That is not nullifying. You may be dealing with one crazy situation in your life. He's still on his throne. He has not stepped down. He has not relinquished authority to whatever it is that you're facing. He's still on his throne. So we really have two choices. I can control my own world and be filled with worry. Or I can humble myself trust God to control it. I can humble myself and say, God, I'm surrendering this to you. I want you to be in charge. Lead my thoughts, lead my actions, lead my attitude. So I want to lead you. I want you, if you walked in here with burdens and worry and you're like, we're trying to connect the dots to this unshakable kingdom to where we really live, I want you to walk out having unloaded. Because I'm going to tell you, you, you walk out lighter, you're going to go back to that place. There's no massage therapist, chiropractor, pill, vacation, drink, anything you can get that will ever have the same effect as the presence of God. There is nothing that will substitute for and if you know how to access that, you'll go right to that place and you'll rinse and repeat, I'm not in control. He is in control. I give him my whole life. I surrender to him. So I want us to walk this out right here. Let's go back to that natural view. Here's where about 99% of us live. 
We live in that place. Multiple things, worry, fear, worry, fear. That's where we live. So I want you to think about what am I worried about? And I want us to put in that blank, you put it in your own mind and heart, what's in that blank? But I want you just in your own heart. God, I trust you that you are good. Let's say it together. God, I trust you that you are good. And I believe that you're in control. When I feel worried about, and you just, what is that? When I feel worried about that job, that kid, that health situation, my future, my career, loneliness, my child, my circumstance, my finances, the economy, the world, whatever it is, you put it there. Let's say it together. I choose to exchange my worry for your peace. Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now, if there's one person listening, if you're here, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give you my life. I give you my life. Come into my life. Become my Lord and Savior, just like we saw these baptisms. I, I surrender all to you, Jesus. Become my Lord and Savior. Lord, but second of all, I pray for all of us, Lord, how easily we are bent toward the cares and the worries and the anxieties of this world, the fears, the things that we exalt above you. Lord, we take peace today, right now, this moment, we exchange, Lord. We're not in control. You're in control. You're working when we can't see it. We, get, we ask you to just bring us that peace into our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.